2: Tossed Popcorn is a production of iHeartRadio.
1: Hi, I'm Liana Holston. And I'm Sienna Jakel, And welcome to Tossed Popcorn, the podcast where two idiots watch every film on the AFI's 100 Greatest American Movies of All Time, the very slightly less racist 10th Anniversary Edition.
2: This podcast is a safe space for people who don't know anything about movies. Today we're watching Casablanca, number three on the AFI list. Warning, there will be spoilers for this very old, silly film. We'll start with our voice-memoed predictions. We take note at the beginning of each movie for each other. We record on our phones what we think it's about right before we watch. Sienna, here is my prediction of what
1: I thought Casablanca would be. Hi, Sienna. It's Liana. I'm about to watch Casablanca. I've seen this film before. I saw it in 2017. I hated it so much. Um, I watched it in a movie theater in the summer because I thought the movie theater would have air conditioning. But it was that old Art Deco theater off campus and it did not have any AC. I was very sweaty the whole time. I was eating a chocolate bar, which I instantly regretted. A friend of mine did once make a fun, cute joke that it was like I was experiencing Casablanca in 4D. So that's (laughs) something. Okay, bye. Okay. There's no information about the actual film for you.
2: (laughs) But now I know, you know, your general feelings about it. Now I know what it means to you. That's true. Uh, Yeah, it's the vibe. It was less a prediction, more a vibe check from me. Okay, here's my prediction of Casablanca. Hi, Liana. It's Sienna, your podcast partner. So Casablanca, I know that this ends with a plane, flying away in a plane. And for that reason, I believe that I once thought I'd seen Casablanca when I saw a movie in a hotel that ended with a plane. But based on that, I'm going to guess that a woman is in a field, has a love story with an imaginary man, and then at the end, she leaves. Through the Heathers. That's it. Bye-bye. Love you. <laughs> I think the movie that I saw was actually called Through the Heathers.
1: <laughs> oh. That's, I mean, I love that. I love that so much. Um, should we start with a cute little bit of historical context for the yes, listeners? All right, everybody. Here's the deal. Casablanca, an American film, was released In November of 1942, that's, guess what, the middle of the Second World War. (laughs) What a dang time. It's set in December of 1941, which is right around when Pearl Harbor was during the war, and that was the U.S.'s entry onto the global stage when we declared war against Japan. And a couple other key dates, if you want them. If you don't, (laughs) press that skip 30 seconds button. (laughs) I don't care. Uh, here we Key go. Key facts. Key facts. facts. Key dates. We love it. Uh, November 8th, 1942, US and British troops land at several points on the beaches of Algeria and Morocco, Morocco being where Casablanca is. Oh. November 26th, Casablanca premieres in New York City. January 12th to 23, there was a 23rd. Wow. There was something called the Casablanca Conference. Churchill and FDR met in Casablanca to talk about their next moves. And that is also where they decided that they were going to demand unconditional surrender from Germany, Italy, and Japan, which ended up having a million bummer ramifications going forward. (sighs) And the interesting thing is, on the last day of the Casablanca conference, Casablanca the movie had its official U.S. premiere. One other important date is that in June of 1940, the Germans marched through Paris. That becomes a very prevalent part of this movie.
2: Wow, those are great facts. Hello, everybody who just skipped thirty seconds. We just heard some wonderful facts. So, geez, so I was wondering about that—that Casablanca was a real, a real place. That all that was was a true, a true story in certain ways.
1: I thought you might ask, "Is Casablanca real?" And I was like, "Oh, I don't actually know." So I googled it, and yes, it's it's a real port town in Morocco.
2: A reminder for the listeners, Liana is a history minor, so we count on her to know all the real facts. Um, another reminder for the listeners, Sienna majored in American
1: Studies, so she could <laughs> know arguably more facts.
2: Well, it's the World War. <laughs> I will say, so I did watch this movie with my father there, which was helpful. Oh. It really helped to understand what was going on. So from my understanding what happened in this thanks to my father being there to help me because by the way that map scene which is the very first like four seconds of the movie I had to rewind (laughs) while the map was still because I was like whoa 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 whoa, going too fast (laughs) so this is Casablanca Casablanca as they all call it (laughs) Casablanca is it is under French rule it's in French in Morocco, but France has just been taken over by the Nazis. But Casablanca, since there are no actual German troops there taking it over, it still remains French. It remains free as much as it can. But there, and people go from Europe to Casablanca to get to America. So the whole goal for everybody there is this city of refugees, and they're trying to get their papers to get to America. That's mm-hmm. the goal, that's the setup. You got it, babe. I cannot believe how well I got that. That was
1: beautiful. You nailed it. Thank you. Thank you.
2: <laughs> okay, and then we have Bogey Humphrey Bogart. Oh my God, <laughs> Bogey. We got Ingie. In- wow, I'm I'm hating all
1: of these nicknames. Actually, Ingrid Bergman. Bergman. There are three main characters in this film: Ish, Rick, Ilsa, and Victor. And they're in guess what? A love triangle. Spicy. <laughs> so, yeah. Mm. Um, I am so starved for gossip and quarantine that this was like almost fun to watch just to be like, what are they going to do? Ugh. Anyway, um, Rick is Casablanca based. He owns a cafe called Rick's Cafe Americaine. And uh, Ilsa yes. and Rick had a love affair in Paris, but Victor Laszlo is A, very hot, B, married to Ilsa, but then he. He got got by the Germans and mm-hmm. they took him to, I'm so sorry, they took him to a concentration camp. And while he was there is when Ilsa met Rick in Paris. In, in Casablanca, Ilsa and Rick, nope, no, fuck. Ilsa and Victor arrive at Rick's cafe because they are now trying to get exit visas to go to America. I, I mean, where, should we do phone notes? Should we dive in? To, yeah. So every time Sienna and I watch a film, we take little notes on our phone of just thoughts we've had that pop up. And uh, we would love to share a smattering of them with each other. And of course, with you, our beloved listeners, today. Well, I gotta say, I love anything that starts with a map. Because I immediately (laughs) am like, oh, all right. (laughs) I feel literally more oriented. I've got a better sense of what's going on. That being said, for about maybe 20 minutes of the film, I didn't know any of the characters' names or who was on which side. uh, Because I had a very dumb feeling that it was going to do a Wizard of Oz and switch from black and white to color.
2: (laughs) So you were waiting for that? And so you were paying attention? I was like, well, okay,
1: at some point, I'm going to be able to tell who's German and who's French, because it's going to be in color and their uniforms are different.
2: (laughs) So I can just wait for that part. So, okay, Liana, is that what you think all movies before like the 60s did? Did they all change at some point? They start out with five minutes of, like, grim facts about the
1: world through a newscast. And then they're like, and now we're in Oz.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I'm so sorry. You must have been so disappointed when you got halfway through. I couldn't believe. I was like, this intro scene is so long. At the beginning of the film, we start with a man in white being chased through Casablanca by officers. And he ends up getting shot. I got to say,
1: I love, one of my first phone notes was that all of fighting in 1940s film is just tastefully yanking people. (laughs) 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 Even when they die, even when they're killed. It's just a yank. You get yanked with a bullet and then it's like, oh, they fell. It's literally, it's it's my kind of violence because I really can't stomach any gore. So for me, it was like the most I can handle was... The, is the hint of a gunshot going off and then a man in a white suit just tumbling to the ground with some smoke behind him.
2: For sure. So much smoke. That was one of my notes, actually, was uh, smoke. There's just smoke everywhere. <laughs> my dad and I were like, we thought it was so funny that these people are like, no, don't kill me. I'll stay alive. I won't die here in Casablanca. <laughs> like a drag from their cigarette. <laughs> Life is sacred. Oh, my God. Just filling their lungs with smoke. (laughs) I had a similar thought of um, at
1: the very beginning, a plane flies low over the town. And there's that that beautiful woman, because they're all beautiful, because it's an insane industry. And she looks at the plane and she's like, maybe tomorrow we'll be on that plane. And I was like, girl, you don't want to be on that plane. It was rickety
2: at best. (laughs) Oh, my God. Don't fly a transatlantic in that. Okay, Um, a note I have. One of my favorite parts of this movie was the extremely chaotic woman on Spanish guitar. <laughs> Do you remember her? Of course. <laughs> so Rick's, Rick's Café, American, or whatever, at this cafe, that's where Sam plays, that's Rick Bogey owns the the cafe. Mm-hmm. And one of the performers, there's like three songs in this, and one of the songs is sung by this, like opera singer it seems like who's timidly like patting the neck of her guitar <laughs> like, Whoa! and not even really playing the actual the actual instrument it was so so funny to me as a person who plays guitar i've never actually seen that being a way that you play but i guess it's like exotic i guess it's spanish wow i didn't
1: know you played guitar i do i do play guitar Okay, instrument brag. I really missed in this film that British couple from the very beginning. Do you remember them? They were sitting at a cafe table and reading the newspaper or something and they turned to somebody and were like, what's going on? And the person explained it and then they sort of just chuckled with one another and one said, we hear very little and we understand even less. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, well, that's a fun vibe. Can that... Can that be refeatured later on, please? Can we get a reprise? I would love. And then we didn't.
2: They should come back and just be doing commentary throughout the whole film.
1: Oh my god, I would love if it had a Greek chorus that was just a clueless, upper-class British couple. <laughs> I think, well, golly, Jesus, things are really taking a turn. Another tiny gun has been pulled. Um, well. Wow. So she was with Rick and Victor? Scandal. <laughs> Can't wait to talk about this over tea. Oh no, Richard, it's time for an ad break. We'll be right back. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I
0: thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board.
1: This is uncanny usa
2: he says somebody's in the house and i screamed
1: listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare
0: i'm elia connie and this is family therapy
3: my best hopes i guess identify the life that i want and and work towards it
0: I feel like my focus is redirected in a a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: Hey everybody, welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm very jealous <laughs> of your generation yeah. that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do we create magic. We
2: create magic.
3: Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write.
3: Hopefully having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor.
2: And
1: I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're gonna bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu.
3: Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen.
1: There were many moments in the film where I thought, wait, is this a musical? Because, you know, a couple just performer entertainer singers were singing and I was like, oh, maybe not. But then freaking Ingrid bursts out with a hum of that that freaking song that plays over and over in the movie when she's like, play it, Sam, play as time goes by. And then he's like, I forgot it. <laughs> and she's like, okay, I'll hum a few bars. And at that point, I was like, maybe this is a movie musical? And how much better would it have been if Humphrey Bogart had at some point just burst into a tap dance?
2: Oh my gosh, I never thought about that before. Bogey singing. Do
1: people call him Bogey, or is this just you trying to start something?
2: I I guess maybe. My father definitely calls him that, but he's not really one to trust. I shouldn't really take all my info from him. (laughs) I mean, I just think every movie from this time, the way they thought about movies was like, yeah, we're going to entertain people. You know, like there's a war happening. Let's sing something. Yeah, like I it. mean, that's that's a great point. It must be said, this was
1: the middle of the war. And I was the uncomfortable with all of the American nationalism that comes through in the film. It's not surprising that it happens because Americans needed a, a sort of heartening thing to watch. But there was one scene where three people in a row go to America and they toast <laughs> the country. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> we should not do this please also like we're where the nazis are now and that's really i just yeah. couldn't get past that
2: yeah one note that i wrote down that i thought was so funny was when ingrid bergman is like later at the end towards the end when she's talking to victor and he's basically figured out something happened with her and and the bogues back in the day oh my God. her and rick mm-hmm. and hooked up um he goes and talks to her about it in a pretty like touching and adult mature scene discussing uh you know th- their love for each other and um basically she goes like no i didn't cheat on you while you were at a concentration camp <laughs> <laughs> and he's like okay good then she's like okay i'm off to rick's <laughs> oh my god i I, I'm I I am infuriated
1: at this film for casting Humphrey Bogart as Rick because Victor Laszlo is so objectively hotter than <laughs> Humphrey Bogart. I'm sorry. I'm so I'm sorry to say it. It's a hot take and it's one that I will stand by because holy God, this Victor guy. I thought it was Jude Law when he walked in, and then my brain was like. <laughs> It's 1942. He's that's not Jude Law, <laughs> but I held out hope. And he's got a Jude Law vibe. He looks beautiful. He actually serves a cause instead of Rick being like, "Well, the only person I serve is myself because I'm jaded and a, a white woman broke my heart, and I'm going to pound a table and it's going to be the the Adam Driver wall punch of 1942." <laughs> the Adam Driver wall punch of 1942 is when Rick slams his fist on a table after ilsa leaves his cafe he's been drinking for hours because she just showed up he hadn't seen her in years she showed up with her husband who everybody thought was dead and then they left and he's been a grumpy boy sitting in the cafe so then he pounds his fist on the table and in that moment it had big big marriage story vibes a film i have not seen but i just i've seen the memes
2: i did love that line i'm the only cause i'm interested in (laughs) can you imagine somebody tweeting that right now Yes. We're seeing
1: it happen. I think that's also why it was so unappealing. It's like, we're seeing a lot of white men these days be like, I'm apolitical, white people in general, not just men, but a lot of white men saying like, well, you know, this isn't about me. Like it's, I don't need to have a voice in this. I just need to worry about myself, rugged individualism, Mm -hmm. America, blah, 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 blah. And that is also why it sat so poorly with me. It's like, right. There's stuff
2: going on. You got to go help people. (laughs) It's just so funny to frame it as a cause. Like, there are so many causes out there, and I'm the only cause I care about. Self-care.
1: <laughs> so funny. He just starts doing a face mask. May I do? I've got a few quick rants that I Please, just got. Please,
2: I'd love to hear. Okay.
1: It sounds like Rick's dialogue was written by Ernest Hemingway. And that is not a compliment. Because at one point, Rick says, I remember every detail. The Germans wore gray, you wore blue. What? What is that? That's very much got a farewell to arms vibes. Again, not a compliment. We also have to talk about during that long flashback, which I did not need, 15 minutes of my life, I will not get back during a flashback montage in Paris.
2: We finally learn about Ilsa and Rick's history together in a entirely green-screened flashback (laughs) sequence of their time in Paris together when they fell in love and drank wine
1: when they're talking about what, oh, what terrible timing for us to fall in love now in the middle of a war. And then he's like, where were you 10 years ago? And she says, I was getting braces. Dude, if you ask where she was 10 years ago and she says she was getting braces, she's too young for you. Do not pursue this woman. She's recently a child. So funny. Could not get over him calling her kid repeatedly. It was gross. I also got to ask, That scene where she goes to the market and is just looking at lace? Back in Casablanca, while Victor is in a meeting, Ilsa decides to traipse through the market and spend a while looking at a lace tablecloth.
2: She's looking at this tablecloth and the clerk keeps giving her better and better deals. Girl, what
1: are you doing? You got to evacuate this country. You can't be (laughs) buying a tablecloth right now.
2: I was wondering what the lace was for. I was like, are you going to sew it into something? Is it going to be a tablecloth? Also, that deal was so good. Why didn't she take it if she was going to look at it?
1: (laughs) It was a visible bargain. And she said, no, Richard. (laughs) Um, Captain Reynard should be me too. I'm infuriated that this character is allowed and celebrated in this film. The, The through line in the movie of him making women sleep with him to get their exit visas disgusting. The fact that the last line of the film is the protagonist of the film becoming friends with this monster. Holy God, I
2: hated it. This is very awkward. And I'm going to tell you why. Oh, God. Because one of my favorite things about this movie, (laughs) See, I wrote down two things. I wrote, I wanted to ask your favorite character and tell you about mine. And (laughs) mine was... (laughs) Mine was definitely the police chief. No! <laughs> and then my other thing that I wrote, my final phone note was, I didn't know this was a movie about best friends the whole time. <laughs> Were you not at all bothered by him seducing women? I I guess I definitely was. I just... Okay, so there are certain parts about this movie that the charm of the, the 1940s gave it some points for me. Ew. Some some of the witticisms were too Hemingway-esque, like you said, but almost all of his were so funny. I loved it. <laughs> okay, but just because he's funny doesn't mean he's not
1: a predator.
2: <laughs> that's really I mean, you're making you're opening my eyes to the, the other way to see to see this character, because that's true. And I also didn't pick up on that for quite some time. Well, and I'm gonna
1: say, because I, I saw this movie a few years ago and I didn't pick up on it then. It was only upon rewatching and when I had to be paying a bit more attention that I noticed it and I was like, whoa, this is Gross.
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't know the full history behind this. Being not a cinema studies person, but I know about the Hayes Codes. Do you know the, the Hayes Codes? Uh-uh. Of okay, I guess like in the '30s, once they when they started movies and everything, there weren't rules to keep movies as as um, I don't know innocent, not explicit about certain things, and this one is when the haze codes were intact. At least I believe so because they don't show blood when mm. people die, they don't say explicitly anything about sex, they don't say like words, but it was interesting because they definitely I mean like it wasn't just heavily implied, it was like the plot points were about the fact that women had to have sex with this man yeah. in order to get their their papers, but they somehow also kept that uh, Oh yeah, they, they didn't say it out loud. It. But it's like a full plot point. Yeah, it's very interesting. Who
1: who comes in and she's like, if you had to do something terrible, would you do it if you never told your spouse about it? And I'm just going to keep saying things that are alluding to this, but I'm never going to put the nail on the head.
2: (laughs) A young woman approaches Rick and subtly asks him what he thinks she should do if the only option that she has to get papers for her and her husband is to sleep with this police captain rick ends up helping and she doesn't have to sleep with him but it's implied that many women have had to before i was
1: like for god's sake don't sleep with him don't go to america it's not worth it
2: (laughs) um yeah that's a really good point i i loved it It ended up being a best friends thing i actually quite liked the ending of this movie what did you think of it okay the end of the film (laughs) there's been
1: some light i don't know espionage if we will um ilsa has gone to rick to be like oh no richard i want to stay with you and then rick is like "Nah, girl you got to get on that plane and go with your husband victor who's way hotter than i am so i support it and they're also being chased by the captain who victor pulled a tiny gun on and was like you got to come with us but first you got to call the watchtower to let the plane go but the captain calls the german instead so the german is chasing the cohort of people who are going to the airfield And they all arrive, and the German arrives just after Ilsa and Victor have gotten on the airplane, I think. I, unfortunately, am going to say something that is a bummer, which is that the character I most wanted to be was (laughs) the Nazi captain at the very end, right before he gets shot, because what a dream it would be to pick up a telephone and yell into it, Hello,
2: get me the radio (coughs) tower! I loved when he yelled hello into the phone. <laughs> I watched it 3 times. Hello. <laughs> oh.
1: I just I think it's also cuz I don't know how to answer the phone these days. Like whenever somebody calls me, I don't know how to not sound confused when I say hel- hello cuz it always comes out hello. And so I think that's that's the energy for which I strive is what he accomplished. Hello. Yeah. Hello. Mm. The last thing I wrote down one absolutely insane sentence that was uttered that I I think I yelled like, what? aloud was when Rick says, the problems of three little people don't amount to a hill of beans in this crazy world.
2: <laughs> the hill of beans. <laughs> I remember him talking about beans too. Cause beans had not come up once. No, they were not a relevant plot point. <laughs> and suddenly it was all I could think about. <laughs> also what is a hill of beans i don't know what kind of beans coffee beans
1: oh that i had not even begun i was thinking like kidney beans from a can and then i was thinking have we decanned the beans are they just loose beans in which case (laughs) how do you make a hill out of them how do you get a structured enough foundation of beans they're too wet i was gonna say
2: you seem to be imagining them wet i do i really am
1: (laughs) sopping how do you pile
2: them Trying exactly. to the wet beans. I think I missed
1: a lot of the end of the film because I was thinking about a hill of beans and how to construct <laughs> one. And of course they don't amount to a hill because you can't make a hill.
2: <laughs> I think the important lesson here is that perhaps Rick has been using his his role as a cafe person <laughs> in his speech for more of the film than we realized. <laughs> I think if we go back, he might be actually using his own metaphors yeah oh my god i don't give a scone (laughs) (laughs) oh no what a beautiful blueberry she is Mm. (gasps) oh my gosh i'm glad you brought up blueberry whoa because a note i just noticed and forgot about is ferrari do you remember ferrari like
1: the car the man the man in the movie
2: yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> so I know him from uh, a Christmas movie we watch every year, Christmas in Connecticut. He plays Mr. Yardley. Mr. Yardley, who... Mm, mm, yes, mm, what a Christmas. <laughs> Those are his lines. <laughs> okay. We oh, oh, like to God. make fun of him in our house. Anyway, he's like an actor who's around sometimes and always plays like a a disapproving dapper rich man. <laughs> and he is he is Rick's competitor. He owns like the the blue monkey Mon- cafe elephant? or something macaw macaw some bird anyway he owns the <laughs> some bird competing your first cafe. suggestion was monkey <laughs> i had to just go with it improv baby <laughs> uh ferrari owns the competing cafe and anyway very funny actor who i love to see in things and i wrote <clears throat> ferrari looks exactly like a blueberry in that fez <laughs>
1: okay i do have an immediate <laughs> question which is why a blueberry the film was in black and white.
2: (laughs) That's a great, that's a, that's a good point. It's a great question. I don't know. I think I just knew.
1: Maybe the food metaphors are trickling down to all of us. Just to circle back one more time to this hill of beans. I do like to imagine that Ilsa hears that and then spends the entire flight from Casablanca to America, just thinking to herself, what the hell was he talking about? (laughs) A hill of beans? What if they're wet? (laughs) Wet Victor's like, darling, are you alright? She's like, the beans, Victor!
2: (laughs) I can't stop thinking about the beans! (laughs) We have to turn around! (laughs) We'll always have beans.
1: (laughs) Play it, Sam. Play as beans go by.
2: (laughs) Speaking of playing it again, it's time to play another commercial.
0: This is Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption.
1: We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish.
0: Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: There's a lot happening these days.
2: Okay, well, I'm gonna give some final uh, some final badges and trages, as I call them. Um, so I would rate this four Fez caps out of five. Oh my god. Yeah. I, I actually I, I enjoyed it more much more than I thought I would. That's wow. why I get so many points. Sure. Um and and it also just ended up having more pros than cons for me. I guess it was because my expectations were so low and I didn't think I would understand it, and I ended up actually understanding some of it um okay good things badges and you can jump in here if you have any mm. Oh sure. Um, it gets a badge for the surprise gun pull there were several <laughs> times in this movie where the camera was on someone who's unsuspecting and then the shot changes to a person holding a gun <laughs> there were so many we have to talk about how small those guns are they're so small that's what makes it even more scary is you turn around and you're like hey whoa it takes you a while to see the gun because it's so little you have to scan their whole body before you realize you're staring into the barrel
1: (laughs) during the france montage much as i hated it i did enjoy learning that disco balls existed in 1941
2: oh my gosh i didn't notice that where did that come up
1: okay great question i don't know It you was like wrote down? they're dancing at a club of some sort and it's a high angle shot and you can see a disco ball. Really? And I was like, what?
2: Okay. Yeah. Can you believe? Listen, everybody, I missed that the first time, but I'm going to watch this movie again just for that. No, don't do that. That's worthwhile for everybody. No, it's not worth it. I'll find a screenshot. <laughs> I'll send you a gift. That's a great please. Easter egg. That should be in the special features of this film. Like <laughs> look for the disco ball maybe they added it in post oh my god
1: yeah the remastered edition you're like what does this movie need you know what i think it needs a sense of disco uh
2: it also gets a badge for oh explaining everything to me in great detail at the end <laughs> in my book that's a good a movie oh my <laughs> one god. that at the end says all right here's exactly what she's doing and here's exactly where you're gonna go and here's exactly why i did everything that i did <laughs> Thank you, bogey. <laughs> no ambiguity at all. Um, it also gets a point for the old Hollywood wit, as I said, though I see how that could also be a traj, because sometimes it was a little gross. Yeah. Do you have any to add into the badges you'd give it? Uh, I do have trages. Okay, great. Well, why don't
1: you kick it off? Okay, and listener, for anybody who's confused, a trage is, is the opposite of a badge. It's because it was a, tra- a tragic part of the film that this happened. So it's, you know, instead of awarding, we would sort of, I don't know, slap with mud, this thing. Yeah. <laughs> Everything I said before. And then also, <laughs> I the scene where all the Germans are coming together and singing a German song, a lot of German officers stand up and start singing a rousing rendition of a German nationalist song, very much like Tomorrow Belongs to Me from Cabaret vibes, is just such an argument for why we should never let white men sing in groups. It's too risky. <laughs> we just don't know what could happen. Um and so to counter them, Victor Laszlo, hot, hot Victor, rallies the room and gets, I believe Sam to play the Marseillaise. and so the whole room sings the French national anthem to outsing the Germans uh, as a show of French patriotism. It really has a strong vibe of every high school musical theater student trying to outsing one another. <laughs> um, but I got I have to give a trage to every time that, Ingrid Bergman's character, Ilsa, said something along the lines of everything she knew or ever became was because of him. Or at the very end, when she and Richard have just finished like pressing their mouths together, I'm not going to call that a kiss because
2: I was cringing the whole time. (laughs) So after this whole love triangle, the confusion in Paris, where Ilsa was dating Rick even though Victor was still alive, she thought he was dead, blah, 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 blah. She basically has to clear it up with both men. She tells Victor, listen, I'm sorry about that and victor's really cool with it because he's so hot and cool and then she goes off to see rick and to explain that she'll stay with rick forever if she let if he lets victor go okay that's it and she turns
1: mm-hmm. to him and she says i don't know what's right any longer you have to think for both of us
2: now awful, that. Yeah, Boo as that was heck. awful. yeah that was awful those are my tragedies write- Never let a man think for the both of you. Yeah. Yes.
1: It's so dangerous. I would give this uh, one gin joint out of five. And (laughs) I would only give it one because of Sam.
2: A trage for um, on-screen reading. I know a lot of these old movies are going to do this to me. And no matter how much time they give me, when they hold a note up to the camera, I will never be able to read it all. They use (laughs) cursive. Sienna, have you seen Star Wars? I have. I don't understand a thing and part of that <laughs> likely comes from the the crawl the text crawl right it's my worst nightmare <laughs> I just enjoy the colors like the yellow and the the black oh my god
1: <laughs> colors I thought I would get to enjoy in the film Casablanca but I was wrong
2: <laughs> and then um I was pretty unimpressed by the wardrobe as far as a 40s movie goes that's one thing that oh can be gosh. entertaining but I wrote, she was the um, only woman
1: and she changed like once they dressed her like a pixar lamp about to go to the beach (laughs) that is so accurate
2: especially because the lamps in this were really like dressed up yeah when she was fancy you know she was like a fancy lamp (laughs) that's so true yeah that's a anyway
1: i wonder if in real life the wardrobe was more vibrant because it was actual colors yeah that just didn't come across Oh, I gotta also give a trage to that woman at the beginning who's like, where were you last night, Rick? I'm so distraught. I'm just <gasps> taking shots at the bar. And then I'm going to sing the Marseillaise in a million tears later on in the film. And then oh, I'm going to go. So... And that's me. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: she was hilarious. Gosh.
1: Well, interesting. I'm, it's intriguing that you liked it that much.
2: No, I love it. I hear your perspective. I would give this one on the higher side because of how entertained I was by the the fun characters here and there. I also recognize some of the characters from some Christmas movies I watch. So it was fun to see them. That old like company cast they had back in the day. Oh my gosh. Well, are you ready to embark on our
1: segment, how to pretend you've seen this film? If you're ready, I'm ready. This segment is designed for if you're ever at a a party or some sort of gathering and you get cornered by Matt who went to Emerson and he's, he's carrying a a drink and a book in one arm. And you're like, why did you bring a book to a party? And he's bringing up Casablanca. Here's a few sentences you could say to pretend you've seen this film. Wow. The demonstrated white male heroism.
2: Love that. Matt, do you think that the love triangle at the heart of Casablanca is speaking to the greater love triangle of powers? In the world at the time?
1: Matt, riddle me this. If I get on a train leaving Paris for Casablanca and you don't get on that train, can we stop talking about this? Oh, I'm so sorry. I have to go. I just learned my husband is alive. Uh, Thank you.
2: Rick demonstrates a sort of rugged individualism that America needs. (laughs) (laughs) Make America Rick again. (laughs) Oh my gosh, I would not know what to talk to Matt from Emerson about, even though I've seen it. And that's a very telling thing, which actually
1: is a perfect segue into should you watch this or, in which we will advise you on whether or not you should watch this film or if you should do something else. Sienna, do you have a stance?
2: Yes. Okay. After watching this film, I think I would watch it again with children someday. What? Because I'd be interested what... Something about it was sort of fun and spirited enough. I can't remember it now after not sitting and watching it right now. It just feels very boring to think about. But at the time, it felt kind of nice to watch. And I I remember thinking I would like the opposite of a Matt from Emerson to be sitting next to me, but instead a small child to hear what they had to get out of it. Hmm. So I think... I would watch it with children someday near Christmas time while baking something. Ah, a background cozy film. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: I respect that. I, for me, this question is always going to be, um, should you watch this or should you watch 1917, the perfect film? Once again, friends and family, George Mackay, if you're near, Um, you got to watch 1917. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. And can you explain? Hey, hear me out. It has a lot of similar features. We got war. We got white people. We got Uh music. The music in 1917, honestly, that score slaps. And I will stand by that. It is a good score. It stands on its own. If you're reading a book about World War I um, as a follow-up after watching the film for the third time in theaters, it's a really good compliment. And (laughs) (laughs) And 1917 also is a love story if you watch it the right way. Okay, thank you. The end.
2: (laughs) When I saw 1917 with Liana, because we both loved it so much, we decided to see it again. This was like her, I don't know, 13th time seeing it. Okay, second time seeing it. (laughs) She came with a book from the library. Why is the library an emphasized part of that? (laughs) Because you sought it out. Nobody goes to libraries from our generation. (laughs) You went to a library. You had to look it up. You had to consult the Dewey Decimal System. And you went got a book about world war one and you brought it to the film
1: (laughs) listen
2: okay look
1: i just i didn't know if there was gonna be traffic i didn't know if i was gonna park really early and have time to read so yes i brought the guns of august by barbara tuchman (laughs) which is a military history of the first month of the first world war sure i did it
2: (laughs) now that's out there
1: All right, everyone. That's it for Tossed Popcorn's episode on Casablanca. 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 (laughs) Thank you so much for listening. We are on Instagram and Twitter at Tossed Popcorn. Feel free to hop in and join the conversation. And we'll see you next week when we are watching, Sienna, your favorite, Raging Bull. Thank you. We love you. Bye. Bye.
2: on Instagram as at Sienna Jekyll and at Liana Holston. Please check the description for the spelling of our dumb names. We put out episodes every Tuesday, so make sure to subscribe so that you don't miss an episode. See you next week on Tossed Popcorn. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, check the iHeartRadio app.